Between rocking the boat and sitting down, between stirring things up and peaceably going along, we find ourselves here, in community. Each called from many different journeys, many different life paths, onto this river road. Some are here because the rocking of the boat has been too much. Too much tumult, too much uncertainty, too much pain. Some are here with questions about where the boat is going, how best to steer it, where this journey ends. Others are here as lovers of the journey, lovers of life itself. Here in front, beside, behind, each a passenger, each a captain, doing the best we can. Rest here in your boat with me, the river calls. Listen to how I flow, the sound of life coursing all around you. Let the current hold you. Let the current guide you. The river that gently flows through your soul whispers, come, let us worship. There is joy in all in the hair I brush each morning, in the cannon towel newly washed that I rub my body with each morning, in the chapel of eggs I cook each morning, in the outcry from the kettle that heats my coffee each morning, in the spoon and the chair that cry, Hello there, Anne, each morning, in the godhead of the table that I set my silver plate cup upon each morning. All this is God, right here in my pea greenhouse each morning. And I mean, though often forget, to give thanks, to faint down by the kitchen table in a prayer of rejoicing, as the holy birds at the kitchen window peck into the marriage of seeds. So while I think of it, let me paint a thank you on my palm for this God, this laughter of mourning, lest it go unspoken. The joy that isn't shared, I've heard, dies young. One of the most important components of spirituality is having a sense of wonder and appreciation for the universe around us. The biodiversity and ecological importance of the world's forests is truly awe-inspiring. For all the noise and chaos we create around ourselves, we would still struggle to match the powerful impact of a, sun a summer thunderstorm. Epics can be told from the fossils embedded in Minnesota's limestone. But these examples are not things which confront us every day. How often do the majority of us run into a two-toed tree sloth? Even the most destructive storms come to an end. And really, how often do you actually take a day off to go fossil hunting? Having a sense of wonder shouldn't be a thing which only happens rarely or goes away as you get older. The world is full of amazing things if only we stop to observe them. This leads me to the idea of happy places. Places where you feel at peace with the world, where you feel like things are right somehow. Happy places tend to be parts of our everyday lives, and in our appreciation of them, we can find wonder and even a sense of spirituality in day-to-day -day life. A happy place can be almost anything. It could be a favorite coffee shop, a public library, or a certain museum. It doesn't need to be a building either. It could be an especially comfy armchair, or that one shelf in the grocery store which is always stocked with your favorite candy bar. Happy places don't need to be permanent and static. Gardens are many people's happy places, 
and the life within them shifts and changes with the months. Happy places don't even need to be tangible. A happy place could be a favorite story, the smell of sidewalk chalk, or a certain star in the night sky. A happy place could be a state of mind. It could be joy amongst friends, or the sense of resolution from a solved problem. Really, a happy place could be any time or place which makes you feel cheerful, safe, at peace. Happy places are places where we are most open to the spiritual nature of things because these places make us feel comfortable and open to deeper thought. Think about what really makes your happy place special. The world is full of park benches, hot cups of tea, and sunny summer days. What is it that makes that one bench, that one cup of tea, that one day special? Often, it's the emotional connotations we place on a location or an experience. A certain place is the place we go to relax. A certain activity has become a part of the daily routine, providing guidance and emotional support for the rest of the day. A certain date marks an event which greatly improved our lives. But our happy places have their own inherent values as well. Try to think deeply about what shapes your happy place. Is it a lake? Many of the lakes in Minnesota were formed by receding glaciers carving out pools into the landscape. I mean, just think about that for a moment. An enormous sheet of ice, thousands of feet high, arcing from Washington to Mississippi to Pennsylvania. This geographic feature was so enormous that even as it was melting and disappearing, it was still massive enough to permanently change the continent's landscape, forming lakes, among other things. In the present day, the lake itself is still full of wonders. Every living thing you see there is part of an intricate food web, the individuals sustaining and balancing one another. Perhaps I should discuss one of my own happy places. I am currently a high school junior. I'm taking four AP tests this May, all while struggling to figure out what to do with the rest of my life. I rarely have free time after school. The weekends usually aren't much better, and I'm frequently exhausted. When I do take time to enjoy myself, it's usually sandwiched between two other tasks. But there are certain moments in the school day where things slow down. Many of my classes have time for homework and studying at the end of class, and on days when I have little that I'm obligated to do, I can draw. I have not been able to take a real art class since seventh grade, but I still love being able to take up a pen and bring an idea into reality. I keep a case of colored pencils in my book bag, along with folders of blank paper and finished pieces. Sometimes I draw based on what I'm learning, like the illustrated flashcards I made to study Japanese onomatopoeia. Sometimes I draw things for friends, like the baby caterpillar I made for a friend who was feeling upset one day. But much of what I draw is just because I want to draw it, because I had a funny idea or there's an image in my head that I just want to put down on paper. In any case, drawing is one of my happy places. I love the pencil as an extension of my imagination. I love the feeling of accomplishment from completing a drawing. I love watching myself progress as I draw more and more. I love the small showers of rainbow confetti when I sharpen my pencils. I love knowing that I share a hobby with people all around me and across the globe. 
I love the fact that smudges of color assembled a certain way can bring a thought, a mere electrochemical signal in my head, out and into the real world. Every happy place has a story, a deeper layer beneath the things we first observe. Taking the time to notice the awe-inspiring in the world around us is an excellent way to find spirituality in everyday life. Way by Kenneth L. Patton. I must live my own way, refusing all that binds. I must know my own mind among all other minds. I must do my own deeds and in whatever lands. I will know my own hands among all other hands. I must forsake the crowds and walk with lonely fools to seek for my own face in bleak, deserted pools. I must leave worn old roads to walk on hillside grass, to follow my own feet out in the wilderness. I'm trying to tell you something about my life Maybe give me inside between black and white And the best thing you've ever done for me Is to help me take my life less seriously It's only life after all, yeah Well, darkness has a hunger that's insatiable and lightness has a call that's hard to hear I wrap my fear around me like a blanket I sail my ship of safety till I sink it I'm crawling on your shore I, like many of the others here today, feel a little like I have a balloon in my stomach. I'm a little scared of failing, but I know that the worst thing that could happen here is pretty small compared to the problems that many people have. I think of fear as a shadow. We know shadows from experience, and experience tells us that different things can cast the same shadow. Shadows are uncertain, and they can be scary if you let your imagination run away. Shadows can be cast by things outside of you, and you can cast a shadow yourself. And like the cliche says, some people can be scared of their own shadows. Your personal shadow can be a collection of peer pressures and societal expectations that cause you to create your own barriers. If you're scared of a shadow, you need to have the courage to look up to see the, to see the source. There's a range from true physical danger to perceived threats, and they overlap in the way society holds and deals with bias. Each of us lives a little in the past, and connections to others help, us, help each of us to see a little differently and possibly to understand our own biases. Let me tell you a story. Recently, I attended a group discussion regarding, regarding cultural differences at my high school. And they began uh, the group with the question, what is your biggest obstacle in school? A girl of Somali descent named Fatuma told us that when she was taking the MCAs, a standardized test, her teacher, instead of encouraging her to swing for the fence, told her the minimum score required to pass. 
She wasn't afraid of not getting a passing grade. She was afraid that her peers and her teacher would, were going to have lower expectations of her because of her ethnicity. Her family had taken risks to leave a war-torn country and emigrate to a land where they knew they would find a totally different culture. Based on her family's experience, the offer of a lower bar looked like the shadow of bias. She looked up and knew that she needed to do her best. It was an inspiration for everyone in the group. I've been part of First Universalist since fifth grade. During my time here, I've had the opportunity to understand the value of community and to understand myself. Throughout the years, my views have been molded by my peers and by the lessons learned through community action, like our work with residents of homeless shelters. These connections help me understand that I need to look beyond the shadow to see where I can make a difference for the people in need. In the midst of the whirling day, in the hectic rush to be doing, in the frantic pace of life, pause here for a moment. Catch your breath, relax your body, loosen your grip on life. Consider that our lives are always unfinished business. Imagine that the picture of our being is never complete. Allow yourself to be a work in progress. Do not hurry to mold the masterpiece. Do not rush to finish the picture. Do not be impatient to complete the drawing. From beckoning birth to dawning death, we are in process. And always there is more to be done. Do not let the incompleteness weigh on your spirit. Do not despair that imperfection marks your every day. Do not fear that we are still in the making. Let us instead be grateful that the world is still to be created. Let us give thanks that we can be more than we are. Let us celebrate the power of the incomplete, for life is always unfinished business. About a year ago, my family began transitioning into this church. I was resistant. I had had a family at my old church, but that was falling apart. People I had considered my extended family were going in different directions and leaving the only church I had ever known. I was clinging to the past and it was slipping through my fingers. Change happened. I decided to give up on church. My grief and pain for all I had lost made it impossible for me to imagine starting over at some new church. But my parents wouldn't let that happen. By last September, I was officially a part of the youth group at First Universalist. I was bitter. I was bitter because I knew we had to leave my church home of 17 years. I was bitter because no one had fought to hold on to those relationships as hard as I had. But most of all, I was bitter because I believed no one would understand my point of view. While I have only been here for nine months, I still feel I have an important message to share, one that we all may know but, not are, but are not fully aware of. Nothing is black and white. I have listened observed, and noticed that there tends to be a couple distinct messages. 
Love everyone. No surprise there. The second one, however, unsettled me. There seems to be a suggestion, almost a bias, of if you haven't grown up as a UU or an agnostic or atheist, you have probably been led astray by a harsh, cruel religion. To that, I have one response. Not everyone outside of Unitarian Universalism was raised a Calvinist. I grew up in a United Methodist Church. As a four-year-old, I sang about how God is a friend of mine. As I grew older, I learned how Jesus is a buddy you can talk and confide in. We memorized Bible verses, studied the Psalms, and discovered the wonderful stories of long ago. I believed in the God of Jeremiah 29:11, For I, have, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future. I was happy, but it wasn't in ignorance. I hadn't been brainwashed. I saw how gays and lesbians were not openly accepted by some members of the church, and I knew this was wrong. When I heard messages that God was spiteful and to be feared, I didn't believe it. I read the Old Testament, but I understood it spoke to a different time and place, and that it didn't apply to the here and now. We all had minds of our own. I saw God as the ultimate humanitarian and Jesus the greatest best friend. I never understood the concept of hell. I still remember the day in an outburst of frustration I told my old youth group and the pastor that I didn't believe in hell. For the first time I saw friends and adults, people I had grown up with, shocked, surprised. They didn't know they could have those beliefs. I've learned there's a name for my beliefs. I realized after coming to First Universalist, I've always been a UU. And in truth, I believe there are many out there that are UUs and don't know it yet. <laughs> that message needs to get out there. <laughs> These last nine months have been hard on me, but I've come to the cliche conclusion that change is inevitable, no matter how hard you try. If some force, be it God, fate, Mother Nature, nature or personal instinct is moving you in a direction, take it in stride. Change is also recognizing and understanding the truth in people. In the end, people shape their own lives with their own minds and decisions and decide who they are, not the religion you decided created them. Finally, change is good. It's important to be open to different beliefs and perspectives. Change is the catalyst to our spiritual journey. I have one final challenge for the members of this church. When asked what Unitarian Universalism is, instead of re replying with the hippies church or whatever you want it to be, answer with what it means to you. It may be just what someone needs to hear. I would like to invite uh, Sarah, one of the high school youth group advisors, there she is up here, and uh, actually Haley and Chloe, if you'll just join Sarah right up here. Our graduating seniors represent the culmination of thousands of hours and hundreds of dreams of this 
gathered congregation. Into the two of you, we have invested time, energy, and above all else, we've invested love. Perhaps you were held in loving arms as babies in our nursery, although I know at least one of you was not, but maybe, Haley, you were. I'm not sure. <laughs> you get the image, though. <laughs> you have been guided and challenged and supported by devoted religious education teachers and advisors and mentors. So I invite the two of you now to take a moment to look out at this congregation into the proud and loving eyes of those who witness your arrival at this moment. As you move forward in the next chapter of your life, carry the love we feel for you in your hearts. Let it sustain you in times of confusion or loneliness. Let it be a source of joy and comfort. And remember, wherever you go and whatever you do, you are always welcome here in this, your faith community. We have a gift for you this morning. These chalice pillows that Sarah is holding, they were specially made by many adults in this congregation. They are to take, <laughs> they are to take with you as reminders of our affection and love for you as you enter into this next journey in your life. Take them with you and remember you are loved by all of us. We love you.